Napa know-how. Any car brave enough to withstand a decade's worth of multi-state family voyages is worth treating to some quality parts and Napa know-how. Coolant for the Death Valley trip, wiper blades for the Pacific Northwest, air fresheners for the Southwest Chili Cook-Off. Yeah, with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your road warrior running longer, stronger, for many more vacations to come. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Feed me more. Welcome to Conversation with the Big Guy. I am the Big Guy Ryback, and I'm sitting here with the one, Pat Buck. Hey everybody, this is Pat Buck. I'm your co-host for the evening and every other fucking episode we've recorded. Uh, we're knocking a lot of these out. It's, uh, I mean, we'll break the fourth wall. We've been recording, just drinking beers and recording a shitload of content. We're doing what we do on a daily basis, like we said with Voxer, but uh, we're now recording a lot of our conversations, and um, we're having fun and just kind of... Um, letting people in. So I think I think we should be about four weeks in, and uh, we've talked about just selfishly ourselves. Uh, we should promote. You're, you're always supposed to promote things professionally in the beginning, so I will promote. Uh, fuck, uh, the beers getting me. Feedmemore.com. It's only your second one. Buck. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, bit of a lightweight. Um, WrestleProOnline.com. I got some pretty. If you're a fan, you've never heard of that. Just come see our shows, New York, New Jersey. And creativeprowrestling.com if you want to be a wrestler because I train up-and-coming hopeful wrestlers. Yes. Uh, where were we last time? We're just telling a story, one big story. Yeah, we're kind of trying to essentially, I feel, we're just kind of catching. We tell everyone, the first one, you know, where I was at with the WWE, that last essentially year there. Uh, and now kind of just catching everybody up on on my or- career and your career and our lives and how we have gotten to where we are right now because and the, you know i feel like it's very important what i wanted to kind of i didn't want to get into it on last episode because i feel like that one there's the stories there alone sure enough but you know in the middle of all that was was the book the secret which i've talked about many different times mm-hmm. and, and just how important that book was to changing my mindset and a mindset i used to have when i was a child uh, and i'd lost that through you know, experiences and just our society. And I, uh, fell out of touch with who I really was. And that book kind of reminded me who, uh, who I was and who I am and, uh, and the creation of the Ryback and I spurp there from the buck, uh, the creation of the Ryback character, uh, at this low point in my life that ended up, you know, being the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, but I remember, you know, just being a server at Smokey Bones and Luke Gallows, who at the time was, well, I in, think before you even say, about brother gallows given the the book we were fucking i mean we were having fun working uh but at the same time we were we, we didn't really move we moved in together because yeah. we fucking had not had to but we're like i i, I me i think i, I had, had to. to i you know financially was it was i had to sell my truck and i love that truck yeah, and that was fuck. why when i after i got back to wwe and 
my first year and you know doing pretty good i went back out and bought a truck for myself to kind of get what got what i lost that's great yeah. um and because i just i always loved that that nissan titan that i had i traded i went and got a dodge ram eventually because i love dodge but it was it, that was hard for me i remember gas prices were really expensive back then in louisville it was like gas was ridiculous yeah and yeah yeah it was that's it right was, i couldn't afford to keep i like i remember freaking out like trying to make my gas last from going to work in the gym and home and like in not being able to go that much further past that and Fuck. it was it was it was frightening and eventually you know i had to go to an ultima that was you know much more you know gas efficient so but i remember you know um because at that time and i've said this on the, the past podcast that people listened which i assume they did if they're listening now uh we had uh you know i was at a point it was this is about 2007 ish i'm gonna guess but i i was an ovw by that point by like maybe two and a half three years and it was kind of really waning on me because uh a lot of guys if they had potential they'd move there they'd bust their butt maybe something happened to them six months maybe in a year yeah uh, at this point i'm three years in and then i do another year and a half so i'm really down the dumps I had it's a not really, easy no 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 i had a really bad breakup with a girl you we're still in your post-release period. Yeah. You had a bad breakup with a girl. So we moved in. We found, I, I, I was maneuvering around Louisville and I was like, look, dude, I found this place. I think rent. Governor's Way, I believe. Was Governor's it. Way. Um, in, in maybe, it wasn't the, the worst part of Louisville, but it wasn't really nice. But yeah. I think rent was like, wasn't it like 520? Like, yeah, it was, it was, it was very cost friendly. And I think that was kind of the time we really started. We knew each other before that and from Smoky Bones, but I think yeah. once we moved in together and kind of like, uh, I think that's when the walls came down a little but bit. I remember a couple times where I'd be the, the, and this may get a little personal for me, but when I came to, to, um, to Louisville, I was in a serious relationship and that fell to shit. <laughs> and then I was in a new one and I'm like, this one's the one. And she was crazy too. Yeah. But I remember being in my car and it was a snowstorm and I remember I called you, and you're like, "Yeah, I gotta get out of here too." Like you were just, we were just like these fucking girls. There's something about when you're down like that too, and being alone is. At that point, was the worst thing. Yeah, for where I was at mentally, and you know, if there's anyone out there listening and going through a bad breakup, and you know, in being because alone, we is hard. you need o- to put yourself around people. We know? weren't over it either. It wasn't no. like we were like we were still. I guess you can not obsessed with the other person, but we just weren't over them. Yeah, and so it was we, very early on in that period and i had already we both had our personal stories and our things going on it was just all it was a lot at one time going on and it was it was just kind of coincidental we were going through it at the same time uh, in a little different ways obviously but like ultimately going through the same thing so so i remember we both kind of felt like we were kind of probably failures we yeah. move into this fucking place that was the thing too with the, the ex-girlfriend for me whom we actually i haven't talked to her in a while but we'd developed a friendship after that uh but there was a it was a after we had mutually broken up it got really bad and i remember her mother like her dad had died he was uh in a plane crash and in, in a is a horrific story and i always felt really really bad for her but that was her, down there or yeah or, louisville yeah whoa. he was i don't know if it was for like it wasn't ups but it was something like that like ship you know shipping and he yeah, was yeah. in something and um she so like 
the mom, I, I ended up, she asked me to move in with her and I left. That's when I was living with Cody Rhodes and I went and moved in with her and was essentially, I was getting up early and, and taking the baby to daycare and, uh-huh. and going and serving all day. And she'd go to, she didn't work for quite a while. Then she eventually got a job and, um, I had my hands full, but I, I was, I was out of wrestling a lot longer than I wanted. I kind of got caught up in this, this role of, you know what I mean? In, in this family life. Yeah. Your dad. Uh, that I, I wasn't, I, that I didn't necessarily know I was going to get into, but it just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I committed to it and I did my, I did my very best, but her mother kind of looked at me and at this point in time, and I can say this cause I'm not in WWE now, the Chris Benoit stuff had just happened. Yeah. And in, in that tragic story. Sure. And so, and her, and I'm this big jacked up guy. And at that point in time, the media and everything they were making about the Chris Benoit story yep. with the steroids and all that. And so her mother started, they had money and they came for money and like, uh, and I don't want to say they ever had anything easy, but they had money. Yeah. Um, from obviously from, from the incident with the dad and, uh, and all that, her husband. Oh, okay. So they, she's kind of started putting in the daughter's head. Like this guy's a loser. This guy, he's not a. He's like this. These wrestlers are bad news. Sure. And her mom paid for her house, but it's all a blessing in disguise. Because like I needed that to end to go, end up yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to get free to be able to have time to go back to wrestling. And it was. I remember she made some really really rude comments to me that I was a failure and that I that I was never going to make it in wrestling. And I remember that hurt me more than anything in that point. And kind of was like. I needed that though because I I was felt so betrayed because I had stopped that yeah. for her and that baby and then when she threw that in my face you wanted it was fuck you watch what this. I go and do mm. and I went and did it and like she never will ever bring that up ever again but like that was the you fuel you occasionally talk to her now uh, it's been a while but yeah. like it's we probably it's probably been over a year but there was a she used to always text me and talk like casual yeah wow just casual and but it was like it was just one of those things and we're ever we're young at the time and sure. people say things all the time when they get angry and and but it was thank god she did because i needed that little spark right then to like i could fucking do this i'm yeah. gonna not only for myself but to prove you and your you know what i mean so, so. that goes hand in hands with now we're living at this like shithole. It wasn't that bad. We've had some. We had some pretty peculiar people walk by our window. Remember that a couple yeah. times. Drug dealers and like, it was. And I look back and we remember the laundry room was down and we'd walk outside. You had to walk out there to go to the laundry room and everything was a little run down. But yeah, but I mean, was, I, I enjoyed. I remember. I enjoyed it, was, it too. It was a good time. We didn't have a lot. We were going day to day essentially and whatnot. But but I remember one time in particular. I remember there was a couple times post breakup. We both were fucking mopey dopes. We were both like really upset, and uh, our we both want honestly. We both wanted to be back with our partners. Yeah, and we were both just like, oh, what was me? What was me? Um, I remember you were having fucking nightmares yeah. about her. Yeah, you were just like, I, I, I do this is fucking ruining me. We'd still go to work, work a fucking, you know, ten hour shift, do all this shit, and then it was now. I remember the gallows thing. Yeah. So. It's funny you say nightmares. I During that whole period, my first couple of years wrestling, I had, I never was a guy, like I used to have dreams and I started having nightmares mm-hmm. and having these, because my mindset had gotten so negative. I don't have nightmares anymore. Mm-hmm. Outside, once I started the meditation and, and we'll talk about that on another episode on, on the Holosync by Bill Harris, who's in The Secret uh, and how that changed my life with my ankle injury and, and my nerves and all that. And I, I, I meditate every day for an hour. An uh, hour? Each and every day. Jesus um, Christ. 
it has it truly has changed my life and it's given me control over my thoughts and and that's not to say I, I still get angry i still get frustrated and and whatnot but it's allowed me to i sleep like a baby at night because i'm, I'm able to quiet my mind and, and meditation has played a huge part in all that but at that point in time it was that my circumstances in my life had kind of the things that had happened had overwhelmed me and and even in my sleep i couldn't escape it okay so that's kind of you know in the drinking during the day i couldn't get rid of this it mm. was not even in my sleep was i safe so but eventually so luke gallows who was festus at the time in the wwe he i think he'd gotten wind that things were not good with me yeah probably all the guys talking uh because he for him to come into Smokey Bones, he never would come in there. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he wanted to see me, and I, I believe he came in there for a reason. And you guys they, were close, right? We had, in Deep South Wrestling, we always we lived right next to each other, sure. and we were like the first two down there. And he actually tried out for Tough Enough, Million Dollar Tough Enough. That's right. That's that, right. So that was our introduction to each other. And you know, in the wrestling world, it's kind of a small community. Yeah, once sure. And and the guys that you know, and uh, we always even. Uh, gone long periods without talking or seeing each other and it's like we've never missed a beat as far as like we're the same two people as when we started and we kind of and, and he's a character as everybody knows and uh he loves having fun also and i think that's what old, like kind of always has been our thing is we like to have fun he came in though and uh he ordered and he was having lunch and he goes i hate seeing you like this mm-hmm. and i go like what like i'm in denial like what do you mean i'm fucking great like life is good and he goes, he goes, no, it's not. And he's like, you should be, you need to be wrestling. You belong wrestling. You are a wrestler. And I was like, well, I don't know what to do right now. I can't get by it. Like I got to work all the time. And he, he, like at the point, at that point in time, I think he was, he was having a little run with Undertaker. That's right. As Festus. Yeah. Things, for him, his booking as Festus, that was kind of the high point. The peak, during, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. During that. And he had just, he goes, I just read this book called The Secret. And he goes, it has changed the way that I think, and it's it's helping me a lot. And so he left me a tip for what thirty bucks or sure. twenty five bucks, whatever it was. And there was a bookstore across the street, mm-hmm. and he goes, I want you to go get this book as soon as you can. And it was one of those things. I it was either I left. I think I left work that day and just ran across the street and bought it. And then I read that book. When I read it and I went through it, it was so overwhelming because it made me realize just how negative. I was being, I couldn't even like a positive thought was such a, Oh my God, what is that? Like Mm -hmm. I was just so negative and defeated and, and it was, I was just ashamed of myself and reading the book was hard that first time. Mm -hmm. And I actually had to go, I went and I bought the DVD and, uh, probably used a coupon to about make enough money to, to get the DVD. And I would watch the DVD every night and I was still drinking really heavily at this time. But I, this was my, I remember I would read at home. I remember reading and trying to read as much as I could before I would start drinking to try to really absorb the information. And then, then I would watch the DVD to kind of subconsciously even falling asleep with it just having this reinforcement every single day. And it was a really, really tough process for me to look in the mirror and to realize just how fucked up my life was at the time. And, sure. and like I need it. And, and, and there's parts of the book and where some people look at and laugh at and whatnot, but it's a mindset and it's, and it's not, it's not that, Oh, I believe I'm going to make a million dollars and a million dollars is just going to fall on your lap. It's a mindset. And when your mind believes something, the work ethic will truly follow if you really believe in it. Yeah. But I bought in. And yeah. I, I think, as, as you know, is if you buy into something, it'll work. If you buy in and give it your well, heart and soul. I just remember, I mean, because a lot of people here talk about this, but like I lived it with you. So like I knew that like you I came still, out yeah. and you, you know, you're going from this dude, you're like, I've been having nightmares. And then one day you're like, dude, 
So get that. And you told me the story and you, you told me about the book and I was like, I'm interested. Let yeah. me know because I need help with some way. I don't know if you remember this. I had a fucking hypnotist come to the house. Yeah, I remember all this. I was so depressed and I was so strung up yep. and like, uh, which didn't work. And I just didn't, I was, I was trying everything I could. Yeah. Um, anything to try to improve upon the current situation. Yeah. Cause, and I, cause I was still in school, still struggling with wrestling. It wasn't like any, you know, um, I was in a point where I never fully kind of stopped wrestling, uh, but there was times where I slowed down a little bit, but I was still in the mindset, hang in there. You're going to get a job soon. Something will happen. Something will happen. Um, and nothing was happening. And then you told me about this. I remember I saw, I think I saw the DVD first yeah. before I actually bought the book and, and it just, it wasn't, you know, a lot of people hear the secret stuff and they, they kind of, I think, equate it to people who are almost like Bible thumpers where yeah. they're just like, like, oh, magic mumbo jumbo. And it's like, no, it's, it's a little bit like it, to me, it's common sense where a lot of the most successful people I've been around or know, um, they just, they're in a, they don't really talk about the negative things. They're always just focused on positive things or dare I say abundance or dare I say like things are always kind of going well for them. Yeah. And, um, and things just made sense to me. I'm like, let me get, let me make an attempt to this. And I remember uh, shortly thereafter, we both had vision boards yeah. where we put our goals. And uh, I remember this distinctly. It was actually kind of weird because you told me about this. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna try to. You, I know what you're gonna say too. And I before I just came here, I yeah. read that board. I still have that same gray same board. Wow. Uh, and no shit, I kid you not. I wish I would have taken a picture. I'll send it to you. I'll, Everything that I have on this board that was written, this one, this one, I've changed it several times from that first one when okay. you saw it, the governor's way that apartment, but that I haven't touched this board. I have it in the meditation and massage room. Um, I've left it the same I've, and I've kept every vision board. I don't change them. I go buy new ones because mm -hmm. I think it's important to see That's smart. The, like, whoa, these yeah. all came true. Everything on there has pretty much come true. Uh, and it, and I look at it and I just smile and, but to go on with your story about that. I just remember I was like, ah, because you had a board in your room. I'm like, ah, fuck, that's kind of cool. Like, that's the one me, thing I got from that book. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, let me, let me try this out. And I remember going to Walmart and I'm like looking around for like these boards and literally it's just like a couple dry erase boards. And one literally, it sounds so bullshit, but just fell off the shelf. Yeah. Like it was on the low. And I'm like, I guess that's the one I'll take. Took that, did all this stuff. And, um, and for people listening, a vision board is essentially just a dry erase board that you can just write your goals on. And yeah. whatnot, anything you want, it could be whatever you want it to be, but it's simply just writing out your goals and hanging it up. And, and when you do that subconsciously, it kind of, it just, things kind of fall into place because you remind yourself of what, why you're living your life. And you can put images on it. You can do whatever the fuck you want. It's your, it's whatever, you know, and I remember at first, you know, and I felt like, okay, this is, and I, it got me to a healthy point. It got you to a healthy point. But when you got rehired, I was like, oh fuck. Because I remember like, I still surely, remember that. Shortly thereafter, I remember I was like, look, man, like, cause I was still involved and I was like, dude, uh, this was right after WWE pulled their contract, uh, or pulled their deal with OVW. OVW yeah. And, um, there was a lot of guys, uh, not that they were fake or phony, but I mean, the, the contract guys went down South to FCW, which was early NXT, but it was really FCW in Tampa. And OVW stayed as a business because that's, they were separate. Now, I remember a lot of guys that moved to OVW said, fuck this and left. I wanted to stay there because I was like, okay, I can move and, and maybe get different experience on the card. And I, yeah. I was one of the more senior guys. Your role would probably increase. Be, yeah. Yeah. Be and, a lot better once the uh, contracted talent was out because you, you'd, you know, be a guy they could use a lot more. And I remember uh old roadkill was in charge. Yeah. And I remember I was like, look, man, like 
come back to wrestling. You're like, okay. And you came with me to a house show, and I, I was like, I asked Roadkill. I was like, let me work. Who I just found out, by the way, through J.D. Michaels, who you know who does my weight belts, and mm. he's always been the guy that's made my singlets, and uh, he's always we've he's always been a good guy to me. Sure, I love J.D. He's always been in kind of that circle of guys, and I talk to him a lot on Voxer still with everything. And he, we just recently were talking about this. He was telling me, I didn't know this, that Roadkill didn't like me. And uh, he was saying, because we remember the guy, there was that, the guy out, uh, that yes. schmuck who, if he's listening, fuck you. He's never, that's one of the few people that out in wrestling that has never been just, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. he doesn't even deserve to be mentioned. So whoever edits the show, edit his name <laughs> out. He doesn't even deserve the recognition. Who's always just been unfairly just a fucking mark. And I just never have appreciated that because I've never been nothing but good especially amongst wrestlers. And uh, JD was kind of telling me some of the stories. And I go, wow, that's news to me. But I remember you kind of telling me there were some guys, because I remember they when I came back, I think there were some comments being made or something. Yeah, and there was a lot. Like, again, so this goes into... I, yeah, a, I don't want to go off on No, 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 that's a, that's a fair point to bring up because like there was a time where you were away from it. And, uh, you know, and fans will be very interested in this. OVW plucked... Uh, excuse me, WWE plucked their developmental deal and it was because of uh, Sean and Hunter. They yeah. came down and there was also a lot of things. They never wanted to be in Louisville to begin with. No. That, that's that's what it was. Um, and there was a lot of other, a lot of issues there. And I think OVW did a great job with some things, but then there were some things as time went on that yeah. didn't go so great. Developmental has evolved tremendously from yeah. what it was. And, you know. Completely. So, but there was a point where when the deal got plucked, they gave people positions of power. One of them was Joey Mercury, one of them was uh, Dinsmore, and one of them was Roadkill. And Roadkill was really hands-on, was practically the booker man. Um, I had my ups and downs with him because uh, there was times where we were respectful, working each other, got along great. Then there's times where I think he was a little salty because he was my bodyguard in developmental. Yeah. And I was like, he was contracted, I wasn't. Then there was times where I'm friends with Nova and that's his fucking enemy and yeah. like it's just weird shit. Just but stupid stupid petty bullshit. high school bullshit. Yeah. Yep. He also hated JD, but that was later, like um but I remember going to him uh and the Ali Akbar thing, I had resentment towards that guy too. I caught up with him a couple years ago and or a year ago in Global Force and it was water under the bridge, but there was very there was times that you're talking about where I was kinda like, What the fuck is this? Where um guys got stuck in OVW almost like they want to be the best at practice. Yeah. They want to be the best guy and, and, and in, in OVW and they didn't care about their success outside. They didn't care about Indies. They didn't care about making it. They didn't care about anything, but just being the best inside that fucking place. And yeah. that's just no good. But I remember I was like, look, look, can I please like, and he's like, okay, you guys can work each other. And, uh, I remember I got in trouble. <laughs> I, I remember two things about the match. This was One, uh, Evansville, Indiana, I believe. Yeah, I think, yeah. So. I think I'm booked there soon. I remember. <laughs> I remember two things about this. Where um, one, I forgot a spot. It was like an early on spot where. Uh, Something didn't make sense, and I fucked it up. I, went, I remember oh I was the one that had it wrestled, and like, but you did it right, and yeah. I did it wrong, and I was like, which everyone probably thought it was my fault. A big dumb run, you know. I believe I was the gorilla man at yes. this point, wearing fur trunks that were too oh, small for me. God, I, if I have these at home in my wrestling drawer, I promise you, everyone out there, Snapchat I will post it. them. Not in them because uh, they don't fit me. They didn't fit me at the time. They certainly don't fit me now. Uh, but it, it just true story. I was the silverback before that. And I remember Nova had tried to, Simon Dean was in charge of developmental, called 
kept calling me after I'd been fired. And I was just like, fuck this. I don't want anyone. I don't want to talk to anybody there. Mm. They fired me. It's over with, blah, blah, blah. And I just ignored the phone calls. But supposedly he was calling me to get my uh, blessing or approval if they could use the silverback name with Mark really? Henry. And if anybody out there remembers, Mark Henry had yeah. a run as a silverback. That's and funny. I like, so I, that was on main TV after I was in developmental. And, you know, that's not seen by that many people. So when I came back, he was done using the silverback name or, or it was too fresh off of it or something where I was like, well, uh, I'm, I, I'm a gorilla. My nickname was silverback. I'm the gorilla man. Yeah. And I, wore, I was never a fan of gorilla man. No, I believe that was a Cody Rhodes. Uh, that was like his Dustin Rhodes Shockmaster was the Gorilla Man. Uh, so that was <laughs> that's funny. We need to find and again, this is going off on a tangent a little bit, but it's all right. Uh, there is footage somewhere out there of Gorilla Man. Uh, remember, was it Josie? So, so yeah, she, okay. the what was yes. her TNA name? Uh, Sojourner Bolt. Sojourner Bolt. Yeah, uh, she had that gig in Cincinnati oh. where. Uh, They'd go down there and do the wrestling videos. Yes, uh, and there's there's footage of Gorilla Man out there, uh. drunk, hungover on Jägermeisters, out partying the night before. Going, she got, it was like five hundred bucks to go on customs and, wrestling. Customs brother. wrestling, dude. And it was nothing like, going but it was up. me beating the shit out of two female wrestlers. And that's to a, this day, it's a big as, market as Gorilla Man. So there's somebody out there right now that has this footage. Uh, and it was nothing. It was it was straight up wrestling. Yeah. But it, it was it was violent. It was it was what CM Punk says I did to him <laughs> to these girls. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I'm from Sorry. recording this. I, I totally forgot you did indie bookings or a couple like after he did a custom. That's big in the the indie indie realm of, of. That's funny. That's fucking funny. Yeah, I've I've had my few you know shit of things. I remember distinctly that match after Road Kills. Like you got to be fucking kidding you, me. You, I don't think you I German suplexes. I gave you three German suplexes. Yeah. I gave you the, the old Benoit's. I and I wanted to take him because yeah. I wanted. I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to get in there and bump around, and I got to feel. And like, he scorned me. I'm like, come on, man. There's like fucking thirty people here. Like we're just having. Fun. I was just trying to get my win to get back in the ring and take some bumps and wake back up and mm -hmm. and to get my footing back under me. And I'd been out of the game for a little bit, and we're friends and going out there and like, yeah whatever psychology wise but it, honestly it's not that crazy guys are doing it left and right in wwe yeah. they have 160 pound guys beating 300 pound guys <laughs> like it's nothing in two minutes so like we were ahead of the curve yeah i guess so <laughs> Fuck. that is something that went away not to, not to knock or not knock anyone but like I, I i always thought it was really weird with independent guys when they would be not small a frame but still not big dudes and they could do all these power moves and i'm like what are you gonna do when you wrestle someone that's you can't do that too, but they get all this independent cred on being this like powerhouse or the yeah. this creative wrestler. And I'm like, you guys don't know what it's like when you're five foot ten and two hundred pounds and you're the smallest guy in a system. Like it, it, it baffles me. But things have changed so much. Where and that bothers. That's one thing that really bothers me with WWE today. That that they've like so in the, you know UFC and whatnot. You have weight classes and they have weight sure. classes for a reason. And, and you put Conor McGregor in the ring with Brock Lesnar. You know. That, that's a huge difference. huge difference huge difference and and you know the whole illusion of 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 wrestling is that it is real and and now it is i feel like we've that's one part of the psychology it's game we have thrown out and we've said no this 160 pound guy it's almost like being bigger there and being talented is a punishment on, on certain levels with certain guys yeah. that where and a guy like seamus who everyone has their opinion about seamus but seamus works his ass off and i think seamus is great i don't yeah, know and i like seamus i mean him talk occasionally and and the guy goes out there and i've he i've 
if he's ever been tired, I've never seen it. He he gives it his all, and we've had some battles out there, and we always talked about we never really got to have a real program on TV. But you have guys out there. He's a big fucking guy, mm-hmm. and, and he is a brute, and he goes out there, and he is violent, and he is vicious, and I've worked him. I can't tell you how many times, and he's never ever hurt me once and and i have always thoroughly enjoyed working him but you have him going out there and like that it's almost like that the size doesn't matter anymore yeah. which it should still though it should it should and and i that's one thing that really bothers me and that you're doing this move and, and no ziggler used to always get on me and it, it sunk in eventually you're one punch you know it's not like throwing five you throw one and like he was he's always been ahead of it and he's known but it gets thrown out the window up there so much where you do this and that and the guy's up and running around two moves later yeah so i mean and it's not to sound like old curmudgeons with wrestling but i just think there's an art to apply it like like that thing like if i was wrestling you know or ziggler's wrestling you know it's like you know we can unload on you it's not gonna do much damage but you hit us once we will go down yeah and we can figure out ways to build stories around that it's like I don't know. It's it's very- guys like Mark Henry and Big Show though, and and you know, like Big Show is an attraction. Mm. Mark Henry can still be an attraction, but they have to be booked accordingly. You can't just put them in the mix and file them in and out like everybody else. And and I feel like that's another problem in the system that they do with everyone. And it throws they they just take the brand and you just make if you're not in that little circle. Mm-hmm. You're just all interchangeable, and the fans see through that bullshit, and then it makes it much harder when they need to try to do something with you again. People are kind of they see through it. I mean, there's things that like they just don't make a whole lot of sense, but I guess I'm okay with it. Kind of, I'm really I love the cruiserweight stuff coming back. It's great, but at the same time, it's like cruiserweight stuff's coming back. But then it's like, then how do you explain those select cruiserweights that are going to get this monstrous? spot or opportunity and ignore the fact that they well they're cruiserweight and they can hold heavyweight championships like who's that i mean you know you know people talk like i'm a huge fan I'm a huge fan of balor yeah but at the same time or even guys that are we've talked about it yeah i mean um even ziggler falls in that category you know yeah. what i mean like i'm saying like he technically would be a cruiserweight yeah but it, it just all i don't know but at the same time i'm just a fan of it because at least it's gonna get people more jobs and more opportunities yeah. and, and things like that like that but it's just like Sometimes I think the overall planning of things could be just a little bit better. It could be a lot better. Yeah. And they can all hold themselves accountable from the top and make it better. And they should because they're supposed to be the best wrestling company in the world and start acting like it. <laughs> it's that simple. But not to get off point, back to the subject. I don't know what the fuck we're talking about. It oh, was the secret and the creation of, of Ryback. Um, so I got to a better place. I think we both collectively got to a better place. And I remember like distinctly... It was like summer of 2008, I believe, because I was in a new, healthy relationship, and I was wrestling all the Six Flag Kentucky Kingdom shows. Yeah. Um, and I had a great time doing those things, and they were very packed houses. And uh, Always a good time. Yeah, always fun. You're in the theme park all day, then you eat catering, and you wrestle. And it was great. And uh, But I remember one time I came back, and you were at home, and that's when you had your, your epiphany of... Yeah. So I'm uh, sitting at home, drinking, watching uh, Burnett's Vodka once again with Diet Mountain Dew. Uh, and Terminator, I, we'd always watch WWE yeah. on demand at the po- t- that time before WWE. That's Network. right, yes. Um, and, and the classics on demand. And uh, I remember Terminator 2 was on TV one night. And I... I a little was, bit of a Mark boy for. <laughs> I always loved, loved Arnold, and uh, I just think his is a great success story and human being. And uh, I've always admired just the work ethic. Which we need to tell the funny Jericho always loved. I told it on his podcast the the story where Justin Roberts in Brooklyn, Arnold was the guest host. Yeah, 
and I, I come around the corner. I'm in the singlet. I'm all done up, and like I, I've already pumped up, and like, and he's he's in front of the entourage as he's coming down this hallway in Brooklyn, and we just literally come face to face, mm-hmm. and it was it was like the coolest thing ever. And he knew my he goes right back, and he shook my hand, and he's getting ready. He like looks me up and down, and like nobody was interrupting it, and it was just a natural whatever was I, in my mind. Okay. He's gonna compliment the physique, uh, which would have been, would have been the go to. Which for a big guy like me, you know, that's gold. And coming from Arnold, and Justin Roberts just swoops in like a hawk and uh, grabs Arnold. Arnold, Arnold, can I get a selfie? And uh, and I and I like Justin Roberts. And, sure, but it, I remember it was one of those things. I was like, you fucking mark. Like I love Arnold and stuff but I, I've never asked anyone for a picture yeah. I've never asked anyone for an autograph and I never will and, it, <laughs> and like, I'm just I don't I don't get sure, it sure, sure. it's a fucking piece of signature on a piece of paper but other people have meanings that that is just my story so and Arnold's crew like grabbed him and like rushed him off really because like he came off like such a crazy fan <sighs> I feel like, and he might, I think he got the selfie off and I like stepped out of the way. So I didn't, uh, I didn't want to even be seen in it. And like, and I was just like, oh, that fucking sucked. And mm. I just wanted to like have a natural conversation, but going back, I felt like that's important to get that in. No, there. it was important. We, uh, I'm sitting at home and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty lit up and I'm probably through the entire bottle at that point and probably have a dip of grizzly wintergreen in mm-hmm. at that point, which was a regular thing. Uh, and I remember seeing Arnold on TV and, and whatever scene. And, you know, you get to point when you're drinking, like, you're, you're bad. Yeah. And, like, this was one of those moments, but it was so bad, it was good. And I'm just sitting there, and, and I don't want to say, like, delusional or anything like that. But, like, I probably should have been, been to bed at that point. Mm-hmm. And when you add chewing tobacco on top of a lot of alcohol, it okay. kind of it puts you in a whole other realm. And anyone who, who does that knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm sitting there just like, oh, I'm a Terminator. I'm a machine. And at this point I have read the secret numerous times okay. and it was starting to try to like break through, but it hadn't broken through yet. But would that Burnett's vodka and that diet Mountain Dew, and, and, and whatever scene that was with the Terminator and just something, it had such an impact that <laughs> it was like, that's what I got from the secret. What scene was it? Walking through the mall, like, coming through lava. <laughs> probably. Yeah. It was, it was something, I don't know, it, but it was so, it was so, I can't, I was so drunk. I don't remember it, but it, it wasn't even about that. The, movie it was about the book breaking through from that and it was i'm a fucking machine i'm a terminator i set fucking goals i set missions and i fucking destroy and i achieve those motherfucking goals and i remember sitting there and just repeating it to myself hell of a promo yeah Yeah. and started talking to myself and that's when i started doing promos Mm -hmm. because i'd always heard like cut promos and like i would always be shy and like this character yeah i didn't have that courage i thought that's crazy i'm talking to myself sure that's kind of where it like all I had my epiphany essentially yeah. and like I broke through to a whole other level and it, I would not that it made me any better as a wrestler or performer, but mentally something happened in that moment right there from that book that it on a subconscious level, it fucking finally registered with me and, and it and was like, so powerful. And like I said before too, you're at a point and I said this from this pad po- past podcast. We're both there both in our, we have wrestling on the brain, but you still were removed. You may have done yeah. like a match or two, but like, I think you finally found something like, okay, 
I've like you found your goal. Yeah. You found I, you found something to keep you entertained or do something. It always killed me too with wrestling and being away from it. It was I and it wasn't that I just liked I lacked confidence. I was so defeated and and expectations were so high for me and I felt like I'd failed miserably and I did fail. I, I didn't live up to those expectations and 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 I could sit there and say and you know it was this from that and this and that and point the finger. And it ultimately came down to being my fault. But those things that happened to me, like I said, it finally all caught up. And then when it hit, it hit. And it, and, it, and I'm so thankful for that because it made me who I am. And, you know, it might have taken me five years longer to get to yeah. that point. But I hit and now I'm way past At that, the same so. time, too, I think also, uh, you know, wrestling at a young, young age or even, you know, I mean, a lot of guys start different ages and stuff. But I, th- I think the... It's a lot for a person, especially not that not that it hardens you up having any any sort of independent experience at all. But I think even me being there, and I had I had four years experience before I got to OVW. Yeah. I wasn't. Neither one of us were ready for the position that comes with being involved in such a company. I think with WWE, like yeah. the mindset. Not not so much we had the work ethic, but it was like just the way business is conducted, where it was almost not an immaturity thing, but it's like a. Um, that break, that time period away, and that—that that, I think that's what we're both grateful for. Like when you had the opportunity for later, and, and what what kind of prepared me was like the fact that things weren't going so well, and and things were kind of we had to figure shit out. Yeah. Um, but I remember coming back and you tell me about that. I'm like, oh, and I remember I had my like kind of new girlfriend there, and and uh, I was like, I don't Who know. Probably thought I was out of my mind, but you know, you touched on something right there too that I think is really important to to talk about and. Um, it's with today's audience. And I feel that like the guys that have that independent experience mm-hmm. they're the, I don't know what it is, but it, it's like, and not that in, in you want to appeal to the entire audience, but there's a very strong part of the a vocal part, part of the audience that's at every show that, that knows about the independent scene and that these guys have, have put in and paid their dues on mm-hmm. that scene. And, and I feel like sometimes with guys, you know, that are just in the WWE like me. I came in through the WWE system. Sure. I'm I am homegrown from the very beginning. That like that kind of they sometimes hold that against you. They do. And so for me, and like Cody Rhodes leaving, I think Cody had to leave. He was smart enough to know he had to leave with the way things are there right now. And my contract was out. I had to leave. I have my issues with things going on, but I have to leave and I have to do this. I have to do this for me because my goal is to be number one and to be my very best. And the way things are there right now, that is not their vision. So I'm going to go out and create that vision for myself Mm -hmm. and show them because I feel like that's a very important thing for fans to understand that, that, it just wasn't the, like I'm 34 guys used to leave there all the time back in the day sure. and go to other territories. I think just they're the only game in town or, or people think so anyways. Yeah. And, and you know, the mainstream wise, but like, no, it's okay to leave and go out and do your thing and do something else. And I feel like this is a very important thing for me to get out there and on the independent scene and show that I can go with any one of these guys mm-hmm. and I will exceed. And when I can go in the ring with the guys like Seth Rollins and, and win over their approval yeah. and they know I could fucking go and like, you know, I can hang with anybody if not surpass them. And I want to show them that. And I think this is going to be very important for that. Cool. So if we're talking about. So the Ryback character, though, yeah, Buck, who still is nursing his second beer, is completely in the tank, ladies and gentlemen. It's, uh, a couple glasses of no, uh, oh, you did have the wine. I take that back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I remember shortly thereafter started doing. You became more involved. 
Um, I got a funny uh, Ryback story as we were talking about the the drinking before. I so the Ryback character, I was like, I need to be part Terminator. I need to show this machine, and so that's where I got the red contact and like kind of like the the Terminator like black jeans, like something like Arnold. I had these. I think I only had a no money really i just had one pair of like black jeans that i was like oh these will work yeah yeah, yeah. and like my black wrestling boots i remember the gear i forgot about the jeans. i got like a terminator belt with a terminator logo oh, God. like some like okay. cheap 15 yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 dollar belt i remember so- i don't know are you gonna talk about danny is that what you're gonna say i was well i was gonna talk with well, daniel and you know and this definitely is worth talking about and needs to be talked about danny davis has always believed in me and always is always i got so fucking jealous it was at Six Flags. Yeah. And it was shortly after, and he was such a fan. I was going to say Mark, but it was He offered to pay for everything, by the way. And I overheard that conversation. Yeah. I was in the next trailer getting ready for a match, and Danny's always not been a supporter of me. Just I don't think he ever saw anything in me. So like, I remember hearing that. I'm like, motherfucker, I've been here for four fucking yeah. years. And he's, he's like, I will buy whatever you need. He, and I remember, you know what, this was and at the point in time, I wasn't fully, I was, my mindset was starting to change, but I, I'll never forget this. Cause I remember you told me about it. I wasn't there for it. Uh, they, so Danny, before this, uh, this Ryback character, this part Terminator character, uh, I had to go to OVW and show Joey Mercury and Danny the outfit. Uh, I had okay. to go there, so I showed up, and the fans hadn't seen me in a year and a half or whatever it was, and I showed up in character. I drove there, which was what the story I was going to tell about the alcohol in a little bit when I first came back. But uh, Joey instantly put it over and, and was, okay. you know, um, approval, and I had to go show Danny. And I remember, I think I came back, and we started doing, I did a couple, like, with the Terminator music and yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. working, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But they had a meeting. I remember you told me about where they, they said, and outside of, I remember you always saying, so you like this guy, remember I did something, showed up to a thing with Elijah Burke one day, there was a class mm-hmm. and you like gave a little speech real quick on me and you go, this guy's going to be a main eventer in the WWE mm-hmm. someday. And I hadn't even gotten that far yet in my head. I was like, hmm. Whoa, somebody else believes in me too. Oh, sure. And like, but and like, I'll never forget it. And, mm-hmm. Danny and Eugene Nick Dinsmore had a meeting with the class and I wasn't there where supposedly they said this guy, we feel he's going to be rehired by WWE and he could be a main event star and uh, he can draw money. We feel like ultimately in the future. Mm-hmm. I don't, do you remember that? I, maybe. Cause you yeah. came back and, and you know, I remember I was like in my head, I was like, Whoa, yeah. what? And like Danny, thank you, Danny Davis. If you're out there and you're listening or anybody knows him, Thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for giving me the opportunity and believing in me before I even ultimately believed hmm. in me at that at that level. You know, offering to pay and I and I turned it. I go, no, it's all right. I think I got some tax money coming back, and sure. um, I didn't want to take any money from anybody at that point. And I, I had them enough money to get the outfit and and to kind of you get everything rolling with the Ryback character at OVW. I just remember like we're both down there. I think at the time I was a senior guy. You were you were. You were back in the mix, and we were both working, and that was a lot of fun too. The OVW TVs, the house shows. I remember we had a stinker of a match in, in E Town. I don't know if you remember that. You allowed me to beat oh, the fuck out of you. This was like, uh, you were the baby face. I was already leaving. I got resigned by WWE. Was it that? Yeah. Okay. And I'd already I lost the loser leaves town match with Anthony Bravado. Okay. Bl- uh, Blair Moan at the time. But I remember like we were just like at that. I was like, let's fuck. You were the this. first guy to. Be- he beat me with uh, the eth- Was it uh? The, that, what was that it? Sucked. It was, it was like a- ether on a fucking towel. Yeah. It was like nineteen. Well, I was part fucking cyborg, so it's not like he's. <laughs> but which, I remember like, why would that work on a cyborg? <laughs> <the> finish <laughs> of the match it was like a re- 
ref, I think a ref like got bumped and this big bad vicious heel. And he was a big dude. And I need to go worked, back and watch that. He match, works too. hard and he poured ether. And I remember the commentators were putting it over like, oh, we could smell it from here. It was gasoline. Got, I think I was told not to breathe during it. And he puts it on and you know defeated the Almighty Ryback. Him. And I, but I remember also before that too, we knew Johnny was a. Uh, um, Laurenitis, who was I did my homework on this actually. The head, the head muckety muck was coming back, and my whole I was there. At, I was at OVW for four and a half years. John Laurenitis was maybe there fifteen times total, and yeah. in in that whole time span. So him coming there, we pretty much knew somebody probably was going to get a job. Yeah, and uh, I wasn't going to go to this. By the way, you weren't. I remember you no. said you're, you're like, should I go to this? I'm like, I don't know. Do you feel ready? You're like, I don't know if I should go. Maybe I. Should I didn't go. feel like I'd been gone long enough. Yeah. Um, and, and you, the, you fucking went there and I'll never forget that. That's actually, you know, who's to thank for that. I was at that. Was it fitness factory? Yeah. The gym. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I had already, I called Danny and told him I wasn't coming. Mm-hmm. I think it was the next day. And Elijah Burke, I just happened to run into him who I never hardly would ever see there. Okay. And he said something to me. He said, you going tomorrow? You're going to get rehired. And I, now I'm not going. I don't, I don't want to go. Mm. And he cut a promo on me. Really? Yeah. And I always got along with Elijah. uh, I always did too. Yeah. But he essentially said, you never know when this opportunity is going to come up again. And you know what, Danny, uh, I believe John Laurinaitis never went back there ever, ever since. Um, he went back there. It might've been once if he did six months after when Lupe was hired and I wrestled him. And then that was it though. But after that, I remember, and I, Thank God, whatever he told me, and it just it lit a fire under my ass. And I went home and I wrote, I believe I wrote three promos. And in the wrestling part, I knew we were going to have to go in there and, and do a match. I don't even remember and, but the promos. I, I felt like we're going to be a very, I don't know what it was. It was something instinctually inside of me told me that it was promos were going to be important. And in knowing in Johnny, I did my homework on him. And, and I remember there was some Terminator stuff in like, I don't know if it was road warrior animal. Yeah. Animal did a Terminator, a Terminator gimmick. Mm-hmm. And, but I had like kind of did like the history of his family and had it like scanned like that type of promo, like recalling it like a Terminator. And I remember I did the one promo and after I did it, he immediately says, cut a promo right now on this guy on Jericho or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had like three promos and, and I was just, I just, Cut another promo, and I didn't hesitate. I didn't stop. I didn't freeze anything and everything. Whether it was good or okay, it was it was good enough. And after we did, I think we did a tag match, and I didn't do anything special. Yeah, so, it was it was almost like he didn't give a shit. Didn't it? It, it didn't matter. I, I could tell by the promo. I was sitting there. I was like, he and got I, his job back. John Laurinaitis has always been a guy who's who has believed in me and supported me, and and we have our history a little bit with the ankle stuff and things, and um, as we'll talk about that in another time. But you know, he's. Uh, if it He's wasn't a business for guy, yeah. I have my personal issues. He could have hired me, but then again, I'm I'm blessed that I never got hired. Yeah, you're so. one of the few guys I feel like who's done very well for himself outside of not going to WWE. And you could have you had they as a referee too at one point, right? Yeah, when I trimmed down to fucking 175 pounds, that was a that was a yeah that you could was be best friends with Mark Carano right now. Your life could be <laughs> fucking great. So, uh, <laughs> but I remember I remember hearing the promo, and I remember that day too. I remember it was very awkward because like. Uh, you know, we all looked up to like Eugene and Conway. They were like yeah. the local legends there, and they they already had their run, and they didn't have jobs at the time. They were they were released, or and they were. You had your match, you had your promos, and then the. I remember the, they're all in line. Everyone is in line. Yes. It was such a weird thing. It was such a weird thing. Seeing them in line, I remember it was like that's weird. It's like you fucking work SummerSlam against Hunter. Mm-hmm. Like you're in line for a promo. I was kind of like baffled by that. I was almost like. Jesus, I remember the main, the last match on the card was me and Conway and Croft yeah. versus, I th- believe, JD 
Was Jack Bull in that, maybe? No, no. Okay. He might have been in my match, actually. I think maybe J.D. Dinsmore and God. God, I can't remember who the last person was. It may have been Dirty Money. I can't remember. But I remember we had a match, and it it was just a regular six-man tag. All those were on-the-fly matches, cold matches. On-the-fly, and I'm like, maybe, you know, he'll give us some opportunity. And then I remember getting, like, jealous of Croft, because Croft literally went to him and was like, hey, I'm I'm good now. Is it cool, like... What, what do I have to do? He kind of had a little bit of a drug problem and everything, and, and he, that's why he got released. He rehired him yeah. on the spot. Yeah. And I was just like, again, I, I was very happy. You told me about your thing. I think we went to the buffet after, and I, I was yeah. just like, I kind of. We did go to the buffet. I forgot the buffet. about it. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember I sent a, chat, a text to the ex-girlfriend uh, just to let her know that I had been rehired. Um, and I remember she goes, I always, I'll never forget that she sent a message. She goes, I always believed in you. I knew you were going to do it. Ugh, and I was just like, oh, but it was yeah. what it was. So I remember I weeped and I was just like, uh, but that, that was, that was crazy. But then, yeah, that was, uh, and I circle. think, you know, that kind of, uh, and then, uh, that leads eventually to me getting rehired and, and, you know, moving to FCW and, uh, starting that chapter of my career. So, yeah. We'll save that for another time, though. All right. This has been uh, Conversations with the Big Guy. We're uh, going to promote FeedMeMore.com, promote WrestleProOnline.com for New York, New Jersey independent needs, CreatorProWrestling.com. I'm Buck Never Stops on Twitter. I am the Big Guy Ryback, and you've just listened to an episode of The Conversation with the Big Guy. Thank you. The domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell has been the partner men can count on for over 25 years. Hello, my name is Joe Cordell. Over those years, tens of thousands of guys across America and now in the UK have turned to Cordell & Cordell when everything was on the line. We're proud of that expression of trust, but we know the responsibility that comes with it. Our tremendous growth is a result of our tremendous commitment, commitment to a core set of values and an obsession with client care. If we ever lose that focus, we'll cease to be the partner that guys will count on. We get that. So you can be sure that our focus over the next 25 years will stay on those values that got us where we are and that our clients have come to expect. Contact Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firm's San Francisco area attorneys, a partner men can count on, online at CordellCordell.com. That's CordellCordell.com. Offices in San Francisco, San Mateo, and San Jose. Se habla español. Legal services available in English and Spanish. Kimberly Llewellyn licensed in California.